We're in this series, it's the last day, last week today of a three-week series on Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit. And as we started this off and thought about Pentecost and read through that in the scriptures in Acts chapter 1 and 2, Pentecost signals uh, the beginning of a new season. And it's this sense of a, the life of a Christ follower. We're called to a new life. We're called to a new community. We read this in the book of Acts as well. We're called to be a witness uh, for the world, to the world, for God. But here's the beauty of this, this call to new life or call to community or call to witness and mission. God does not leave us alone. He doesn't only call us, but he gives us the supplies we need to live this life, uh, to build community, to be on mission. In fact, there's a word in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, that says the Holy Spirit enabled the disciples. And in Acts chapter 2, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, if you weren't, take, listen to our podcast the last couple of weeks to kind of get filled in. But that word enabled, it's amazing because the Holy Spirit enabled these 120 disciples. In that particular scene, it was speaking in other languages where people out on the streets heard God's message. And the Spirit enabled them, gave them what they needed for this new life, for this new mission. Today, we're going to focus our thoughts on not just the gift of the Spirit, which we spoke about last week, who he is, what he's about, but we want to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, plural, the gifts that God gives us by his Spirit. And so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to jump back into a few verses of, of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And for some people today, this is a familiar topic. For some, it's a foreign topic. It feels like I've, maybe you haven't walked through um, you know, this topic before. If you're brand new here today or you're just, you've been tracking with us for a little bit and you're just starting to discover what Christianity is about or what Jesus is about, um, you know, this might be a fresh kind of thought for you that how God gives us gifts. Um, but I want you to track with us and, and understand and, and even just kind of um, press in a little bit to, to be open to how God might want to work in all of our lives. So let's read this text, and we're going to jump around like we did last week in a few other texts, but uh, we'll read this one to start off. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. And to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still, to another, interpretation of tongues. And all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Let's ask God to just give us fresh um, insight into this. God, we pause and we just we thank you for the gathering we've been having so far, for the amazing time to celebrate who you are in song, um, the sweetness of the bread we had today, just reminding us of the bread of life in Jesus, the conversation we've been having. And we just invite you in this moment, we just say welcome to you uh, in how you want to speak and interact and intersect with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you were here last week, we read more of this text, but we, we get this sense that Paul's teaching this local church in Corinth uh, about um, the, gifts that God, the gifts that God gives his people by the work of his spirit. And last week, we, de- we determined that the source of these gifts, 
And even what we read now is not an exhaustive list. There's other lists in the New Testament. But in general, these gifts that God wants to give us, the source of these gifts are the Spirit. And each person in Jesus, each person who follows Christ, is given gifts of variety by God's very Spirit. And so we want to ask the question, well, what are these gifts? And how do these gifts function? And why does God want to give us these gifts um, through his Spirit? Well, here's Paul speaking to this local church in a town called Corinth in the first century, and they were already experiencing the gifts of the Spirit. They were already experiencing how God was using them in community and in mission. So Paul is, kinda, is coming alongside them to teach them, to equip them in what's already been happening and how to grow in this, how to appropriate these gifts, how to understand these gifts, how to use these gifts, and also even some cautions around these gifts because of some of their former spirits spiritual experiences. Many people came from other religious experiences or other groups and, uh, that weren't pointing them to Jesus. And so Paul's trying to help them understand how this, this new work that's going on in their life and in their community is from God and how, that, and how he's working. And so what the gifts are, in a basic way, are abilities, are abilities that come through the power of God's Spirit. Now, when we say, even when I say a line like this today, so many of us are influenced by all the Marvel movies, you know? There, we get these abilities like I'm going to, you know, like I have ultimate strength or I have like laser vision or I can crush a car with my hand or type of thing. That, that's not the kind of abilities. And I say that because Marvel's just kind of coming out with more and more shows and movies that make us think that way. But there's these abilities, talents, skills, opportunities to be in community with the body of Christ and to serve one another. And Paul says that this, these gifts are a manifestation of God's spirit. They're a demonstration of God, God's spirit. So when we exercise these gifts, whatever gifts they might be, that's an extension of God's spirit at work in our lives and in our community. So the spirit shows up through those gifts in our lives, in our church, and in our world. And so God then God enables us with capacity for the common good of the church and the world. And these gifts come in a variety of forms, but the source of it is the Spirit of God. In fact, part of the source of it too, the New Testament says this is all a form of God's grace. Uh, the word grace is, in Greek is the word charis, and if you have any familiarity with the word charis, some of you automatically connected with the charismatic movement or a charismatic church. And what they often try and use that label for is to say, well, the Spirit's at work because this is a charismatic church or a charismatic thing. But really, the word charis is the word grace, which we also get the word gift from. This is something God gives us not because we're good, not because we're smart, not because we're cool, not because um, you know, we're good looking or we're capable or whatever that means. God, just, God gives us these gifts out of his grace. Grace is something we don't earn, that we can't work for. The scripture says we're saved by grace, not by our own works. And the kind of grace that comes after someone follows Jesus and as someone receives a gift of the Spirit or exercises a gift of, the, gift of the Spirit, it's a kind of grace that comes after that initial grace that we receive in Jesus. Today we celebrated communion. We celebrated the grace of Jesus that brought us into relationship with God. 
We, we celebrate God's grace, but then there's more that comes from God's grace because he's loving and caring and, and longs for us to be equipped for this life and this work. He, by his grace, gives us gifts. I want us to just check out what other parts of Scripture say about this. So here's one in Romans chapter, Romans chapter 12. Um, here's a few verses. Here's verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So just kind of pause there for a second. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So Paul here, again, attributes, hey, this is out of God's grace that these gifts come. And now he lists a few more. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So here we have this sense that that these gifts come out of God's grace for us through the power of his spirit, and there's a variety of them. And he wants to use us in the body of Christ and in the world, and he gives us supplies, the gifts to do it. Here's another one in in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, and we'll just read that if you can go to the next one. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, and now he quotes the Old Testament, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Just pause there for a second. Here's Paul's trying to get us to understand that the grace that we've been given comes through Jesus. Jesus apportions it. He determines it. But I love this little, this little connection, this little metaphor or image. He says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Later on, Paul will say in the middle of that, you know, Christ descended and then ascended. When he descended, he conquered death. He conquered sin. When he died and was buried... When he ascended, he gave gifts. And it's this image of a king. Imagine a king that goes to war and the enemy is destroyed and then he comes back and he blesses his people with gifts. Jesus does that at the cross. He defeats death and sin, the enemy of the grave. And he ascends and gives gifts to his people. And here's what it continues to say. So Christ gave and now we're going to read about gifts that are, sound like people because they are. Gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So Christ gives these people gifts to the church so the church can be built up, so the church can be equipped. Um, if we had to categorize these gifts, and today it's just a one-time message on this, and as I was preparing this week, I kept saying, I wish we had three, four weeks. I wish we had three, four weeks, but uh, we're going to kind of bring it all in a summary today. If we had to categorize these gifts, I, I, there's so many ways we can do it, but I want to categorize it this way. Jesus lived out his life, and some of, a few of his roles, his three main roles, often are categorized as prophet, priest, and king. And the scriptures tell us that we continue and we live the life Jesus empowers us to live. So there's part of that prophetic, priestly, and kingly role that God gives us in our world. And so if we had to categorize the gifts in this prophetic, priestly, kingly way, it might look like this. So, so here's some of the gifts, and I'm just kind of listing them under. So the first way is, what, if, what was under the umbrella 
of Jesus as prophet, but then us also extending that into our world. So a prophetic category would be like a speaking category. And so some of the speaking gifts would be teaching, discernment, prophecy, evangelism, tongues. Now, and the tongues here would be the ones like in Acts chapter 2, where other people understood the language and heard the message. So these gifts are speaking gifts. They're audible gifts. They're gifts that, that clearly communicate a message. And these are some of the gifts that God gives his church um, to grow the church and to, to bless the world. Here's another set of gifts. We'll call them priestly gifts. Jesus had a priestly role. He, he ministered to people. And we are extensions of that. The, the scripture says that all of us are priests in God's kingdom. We represent God to one another and to the world. We bless each other. And some of these priestly gifts are serving gifts. So the gifts of helps, giving, mercy, healing, service, hospitality. These gifts are gifts that serve people, that minister to each other, that come down to the need of someone and meets their need. And here would be a a last category under these three categories of Jesus, and it would be a kingly category. And a kingly category is the sense of leading, that God gives people certain gifts to lead. Some of those gifts are the gift of leadership, and that seems obvious. The gift of administration is, is strategic steps moving forward. I think that's really important. You know, when you think of a ship, and there's a captain of a ship, and then there's the helmsman of the ship, the captain says, we're going this way. But the helmsman checks out, you know, charts out the path and says, well, this is how we're going to get there. That's, that's a, a kingly leading type of gift. There's the gift of wisdom, the gift of faith. If anybody leads anything, they need faith. They need faith to know that we're, we're going to make it. We're going we're gonna to go that way. We're going we're gonna to be and become and accomplish what God's calling us to accomplish. And all these gifts, whether it's prophetic or priestly or kingly, they all work together for the common good. In other words, these gifts exist to serve one another. These gifts exist not for my own glory or for my own benefit, but for the benefit of the body, for the benefit of the community, for the benefit of the church. We exist to serve one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up. It brings the body of Christ forward. They unite the body of Christ together, and it equips the body. They equip the body for mission. And so this is like this general picture. But as I was thinking about this series, and especially coming off this um, you know, intro of Pentecost, I, I got to, I'm pretty sure that there's probably some in our church that wrestle with some of the gifts that, that, that feel a little bit more miraculous, that feel a little bit more out of the ordinary. And um, probably with some of the ones that some people would call the charismatic gifts. But in fact, they're all charismatic because they're all out of grace. They're all out of charis. They're all gifts from Jesus and through his spirit. And I think why we struggle with some of them is because it seems simple, you know, if Justin over there says, I'm in need, and all of a sudden God, said, God gives me this gift of mercy, and I kind of feel empathy for him, and I serve him, that looks to some of us, well, well, that's pretty normal. That doesn't seem really miraculous. But it is part of God working in me to serve somebody. If, if sometimes there's a job to be done or something's going on and, and God gives someone the gift of administration or leadership, wires them that way, or even empowers them in a, in beyond their capacity, we might say, well, that's pretty amazing, but it doesn't feel miraculous, even though it's part of God's gifts and it's through the work of the Spirit. 
But then we read something like the gift of tongues or the gift of healing or the gift of prophecy or a word of knowledge, and we say, well, what about those gifts? Those seem a little bit out of the ordinary. So I want to address those for a moment because I got this sense that, I have this sense that even in our church community, maybe we're unaware or sometimes uh, distance ourselves from understanding these gifts. And here's Paul because Paul describes how Jesus gives, or the Spirit gives these gifts in chapter 12 of of Corinthians, but he goes on later in chapter 14 to specifically hone in on the gift of tongues and on the gift of prophecy. It It means that these gifts were happening in the church. These gifts were evident. It was a manifestation, a demonstration of the Spirit. And so I'm just going to focus on this today. And like I said, we've got to come back. We'll come back to this, like maybe within the year or something and do a longer series. But when we think about those two specific gifts, because that's what Paul hones in on a couple of chapters later, we get the sense that they're important gifts. They're valid. They, they still uh, are possible today. Paul tells us in, in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. He means all gifts. But then he goes on to specifically address tongues and prophecy. In chapter 14, verse 5, Paul says, uh, I would like all of you to speak in tongues. And then later, at the end of the chapter, he says, I won't forbid anybody from speaking in tongues. So there is a sense that this gift is active in the church, but he also brings in clarity on why prophecy is an important gift in the church. So here's these two gifts. You guys mind if we just kind of touch on these two, and then we'll come back to some implications. So the first one, this tongues, this, for some of you, you're probably thinking like, this, this is weird. We've never talked about this, tongues. Um, but when we read it in the scriptures, it means other languages, it's a supernatural gift. It, it, it happens as God empowers us by his spirit. Now, there's two kinds in, in the New Testament. The first kind is the one we see in Acts chapter 2, where God enables them to speak in other languages, and people hear a real language, and they hear God's message in their language. That's one way that the gift of tongues is expressed. And that's one gift of tongues. And that is not just happened in Acts chapter 2. It has happened since. And I've read and heard and met people and heard stories where God has enabled someone, with a, whether it's in a gathering, a, a group, or whatever environment, to speak a language. And then the per, somebody kind of tracks them and says, uh, you, like what you were saying was really significant for me. And they say, like, you were speaking my language or my dialect. And that person will say, I had no clue what I was speaking. And all of a sudden, God loved that other individual so much that he equipped another person to share his message in their language. That's one way that tongues works. The other way that works, the one that maybe um, gets also talked about in the New Testament quite a bit, a bit is this prayer language. This, this tongues as a prayer language. And Paul is referring to this gift in 1 Corinthians 14 because this gift is not, when expressed, is not understood by people. This gift is a prayer language. It has value then and it has value now and it's still, I believe, possible within the gifts of the Spirit today in the 21st century, but it was, it was a language that was not understandable. But it was meant for prayer, It was meant for communication with God. It was meant for intercession. And the benefit of this gift was that there was this greater intimacy that takes place between a believer and God. An intimacy and a relationship with God that grows. So Paul says in chapter 14, verse 2, let me just get back to it. Sorry. 
He says, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Paul clearly says this. Like Anybody who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to another person. They are speaking to God. It's a prayer language. He goes on to say that, he says, indeed, no one understands them because they utter mysteries to God. So part of this prayer language is not meant for other people. It's meant for God. It's meant for prayer. In fact, later, Paul, Paul says in verse 5, I'd love everyone to speak in tongues. But in chapter 12, he asks some rhetorical questions at the end of chapter 12. He says, um, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? In other words, he says, not everybody does all these things. So not everybody has this gift, but some people do. And so we get this sense that the, the Spirit of God equips people with these spiritual gifts. Some, some churches will say that the gift of tongues is the first evidence of the Spirit in filling somebody. But when we read Paul here in chapter 12 and chapter 14, it seems like all the gifts are an expression, and the Spirit himself determines who gets what. And so someone can be filled in the Spirit but not speak in tongues. And so we, we see that. Now, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm thinking about myself, and I have my own personal experience with this. Uh, you know, early on in my Christian walk, this is one, this is one gift, not the, not the language gift that everybody understands, but the prayer language gift is one gift that I've experienced. Now, some of you are saying, wow, Dave, you never mentioned that on the pulpit before or on the stage or from a mic. And it is something, you know, and it's funny. I listen to other people talk and people that, like other teachers that are way, are, are, you know, even more conservative in their teaching than me. And I hear that their spouse or their friend or someone in their family has experienced a gift like this. And so they, then they have to deal with it. They figure out what does that mean, you know? Um, and so, so part of my story is that God, at, at some point in my Christian walk, uh, determined to, to give me this gift in terms of a prayer language. Now, you might, here's the idea. Like, the, like all the gifts, we desire the gifts, but then there's cautions around that, right? There's a blessing around the gift of tongues because it enables us to grow in intimacy with the Lord or, or intercede and pray. But here's, here's the thing. Chapter 14, verse 4 says, the prayer language tongues only edifies you. It doesn't edify somebody else because they don't understand you. That's, Paul's just kind of speaking practically. He says, the, the gift of tongues this way edifies yourself, but it doesn't edify others. In other words, it would need interpretation. In fact, he says, it would confuse people who don't know Jesus because they don't understand what you're saying. There was also the local context of the time where other people's former religious experiences, they were trying to sift through, this was not of the Lord, but this is of the Lord. So Paul's trying to help them understand, when you get together, understand how these gifts are used. You, you know, you might be asking the question, Dave, if you say that you've, that you've experienced this gift, how come we've never heard it? Right? <laughs> I think maybe you're asking that question. I'd be asking that question. You know, sure, that's true. Yeah, well, why don't I ever hear that, you know? Um, well, as we read in 1 Corinthians 14, that gift is not meant to edify other people. It doesn't edify other people. It wouldn't edify you. If you were sitting three seats beside me and you hear some other language, you, you wouldn't get it, right? That's the practical reason behind it. And in fact, when I was growing up in some churches that expressed this gift a little more, I always wondered why they would, you know, like, why it would be allowed 
expression if no one understood it, or why someone would, would, would pray this way from a microphone if no one understood the, that language, or whatever, that, whatever kind of expression God was giving them. And, and here's the thing. This gift is so beautiful if God gives it to you, like any other gifts, but it has a purpose, and it's meant to be a prayer language between you and the Lord, and it does edify you. It is a blessing, but it's, it has a purpose within the context of worship. Some settings might be smaller group settings or a setting where we know all believers are present uh, or a setting where we know that there's a comfort level around this where we're all seeking the Lord for, this, for a specific purpose. But when we come together in a way where we know that there's a mixed crowd, Paul says it makes more sense to prophesy than to speak in tongues because tongues is not understandable to the people around us. So then Paul focuses on prophecy. And prophecy is another supernatural gift. It's, it's, it's a gift that God gives us. It can be given like wisdom or understanding or insight. And the form is often a message, a clear, understandable message. So Paul says, I would rather you prophesy than speak in tongues because prophecy brings conviction to people. Prophecy brings clarity to people. And so he, he talks about it. Now prophecy... Sometimes our automatic thought is, oh my goodness, we're talking about prophecy. Does that mean it's going to happen right now? It can be spontaneous, right? Because God's, God is God and it's a spirit. Prophecy can be spontaneous, but it can just well, as well be thought out, reflected on. God has been building this thought in me. He's been revealing something to me. And I'm going to reflect on a little more. I'm going to test it out a little more. I'm going to make sure, you know, I'm going to read through the scriptures and see how this fits. So it can be a spontaneous gift, but it can be a well-thought-out expression of that gift. Verse 30 to 31 in chapter 14, Paul says this. He says, and if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. That's the purpose, instruction, encouragement. Prophecy can be in the form of preaching. It can be in the context of worship. It can be in the context of a conversation. Why is it some people shy away from some of these gifts? Because often it's, it's only been from a person speaking loudly or screaming from a microphone that says, I got this message for you. And then you're like, oh my goodness, he's just isolated me out. What's going to happen? Why can't this gift happen in conversation? Why can't this gift happen in a community group and then afterwards I, I come alongside someone and say, you know what, we were pr- I, I've been praying for you all week and this, I've just had this thought over and over and over for you. I'm just going to tell you and you sift through it and pray about it and see if this is the Lord speaking to you. Why can't prophecy be like that? It can be. And so to help us understand just the, the, the breadth of how these gifts work and the benefit of them, here, here's the benefit. The church needs direction and people need direction in their local context and how they're growing. And it doesn't just come from one person because they have a microphone. It, it can come from the body encouraging one another. It can be a call to mission. It can be a call to care. It can be a correction in our walk. It can be a next step. It can be encouragement. It could be a blind spot that we have. And somebody comes alongside us and God, God speaks through them to us. Because the community needs collective input. And again, it comes back to instruction and encouragement. It can be a clear gospel call for someone to follow Jesus. Paul says, prophecy brings conviction. So think about that. 
Paul encouraged this over tongues. He's not against tongues because he says, I don't forbid it. But he says, this makes more sense in worship. But here's the caution around it, just like a caution for any gift. This prophetic gift or this speaking gift is never to contradict the scriptures. We, t- we test it. It's never to contradict the, the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of the apostles, the New Testament scriptures. In fact, in verse 29, Paul specifically says, two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Test it. Um, see if this is for you. So if, if this ever happens and you're in a, in a, in a, con- a small a context of a few people praying and someone you know, says something, he says, I really feel the Lord saying this, or maybe he says to the group, there's every biblical reason to say, that is awesome. Thank you for sharing that with me. Can, let's pray about it, and let's see if this is from the Lord or not. There's every biblical reason to do that, just to test through it. And here's the beauty of tongues and prophecy together. Paul says in verse 14, he expresses it so beautifully. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. It's this combination of spirit and mind. We need both. We're emotional beings. We're intellectual beings. God wants to work through us in all ways. Let's... um, I don't know, is there, is there a thought or a question before I wrap this up that pops up? We do this so rarely that we always freak everybody out when we ask for Q&A. But, and I'm going to ask the team to come up too because we want to close uh, in a few moments. But. No, exactly. So pro- there's, prophecy is not necessarily as... It's it, possible that God, God might warn us about something or you know, give us a clue in a sense of like what to be expecting. But we're not talking about a, a, a prophecy of, you know, this is going to happen in the future in this way. It's more about are we instructing, encouraging the church? That's the, the context we see here. Is that, is that helpful? Okay. Yes. It's okay. Just ask the question. <laughs> what do you mean ordained? Yeah, I think I think okay. So yeah, yeah. So I think there's a sense that in Scripture, the priesthood of all believers, you know. So God wants to use all of us, uh, and at the same time, can God give a gift to someone um, that is is earlier on in their faith? It's possible. As the church, we should encourage, instruct, equip, help people mature. I think where the the testing comes in is as a church even the leadership God has given to the church and even the gifts like apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, the equipping gifts, then I think some of those uh, words or prophecies should be tested and filtered through the body of Christ. That's where the testing comes in. Uh, Well, the leadership, yeah, the leadership of the church, yes, exactly. And whoever we deem as leaders, pastors, leaders of groups and things like that, I think there's some some valid uh, reason for that. For sure, and that's why it needs to be tested with openness. And last question, anybody else before we, we wrap up? I hear, yes. I just want to say thank you for explaining the meaning of speaking in tongues. Oh. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's cool. We learn something new every day through the scriptures, so it's beautiful. I too learn every day in fresh stuff, so thanks for sharing that, Sharon. We're going to come to a close, and and just we want to encourage each other just um, just be open as we come to a close in this gathering, just to say, Holy Spirit, uh, is how do you want to lead us? How do you want to grow us? Now, let me say a couple of things because this is this is I think really important. And just as we had some questions around clarity process, I want just I'm going to give you three words, and the first word is this: the Spirit determines. Remember. Are some people more mature than others because they get a gift of the Spirit? Not necessarily. Are they further along in their faith? Paul says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. So the first word is determines. The Spirit determines. God determines the gifts we receive. So it's not based on maturity or spiritual brownie points. The Spirit determines. Another word just to remember is this. The Spirit directs. The Spirit is like a producer. You know, we all have gifts. We all, he he wants to bless us with gifts, but he's the director. He's the producer. And he knows how to build the body of Christ up. And he knows how, how we need to be doing mission in the world. So he's the director. He's the producer. And so regardless of gifts that God gives us by his Spirit, we submit to his Spirit because he's the director. The next thing is, Paul tells us to excel in gifts that develop people. Or build up. He says, excel in the gifts that build up the body. This is so important because the gifts are given for, to us to be agents of change, encouragement, exhortation. Gifts are abilities that God gives us to serve one another. So God, Paul calls us to excel in gifts that develop the body. We were playing hockey here at the, at the gym several years ago. A bunch of guys, some from West Side, some not. And the goalie who was a West Sider was playing and so he, he's in nets he's waiting for the shot and someone takes a shot and, and he, he goes back to catch the, the puck but he, he goes back a little bit too far and just as he goes back his, snow, his shoulder comes out of joint so all of us are like stop the game everybody stops and all the guys are around him so he says okay this has happened before this is what we're going to do you two guys take a jersey put it under my under my shoulder you take my arm and two guys hold me. So he, he kind of like, he directs five people for this next move. We're like, okay, what's next? He says, you guys hold me down. You who has my arm, you hold it. And you guys with the jersey, this is what you're going to do. The guys with the jersey are going to pull up and the guys with my arm are going to pull down when I say go. I'm like, okay. So one, two, three. One guy pulls down, two guys pull up, two guys are holding him down, his shoulder locks back into place. And I was thinking about that because that is part of what the Spirit does in the body. You know, the word equip in Ephesians chapter 4, God, God gives gifts, the people gifts, anyways, the equipping gifts to equip the body. The word equip is to restore back something that's been out of joint. 
to bring together, to mend, to, to, to nurture, to build up. And that's what happens in real ways among us. Someone is hurting and someone comes alongside them. Someone is detoured or confused and someone brings wisdom and discernment. Someone is, is dry in their spiritual walk and someone speaks a word of hope. Someone is, is, is sick and, and a gift of mercy comes alongside them. The church needs to move to a next level and someone with gifts of leadership or administration come alongside and God uses all these gifts to restore us because as humans and as we're walking in Christ we were out of joint and now we're coming back into joint to be the body of Christ to be on mission in the world and lastly Paul says eagerly desire we can't get out out of this phrase right chapter 14 verse 1 eagerly desire the gifts eagerly desire the gifts Um, be open to how the spirit wants to use you and it's fine. He might want to use you in, in ways of mercy, in ways of leadership. But he also might want to use you in ways of healing and in ways of speaking wisdom into someone's life or giving you a prayer language or helping you develop a way to, to speak words into the church or in other people. Paul just simply says, eagerly desire the gifts. There's teachings, there's cautions around it, there's instruction. But the heart of it is eagerly desire the gifts. So just, just, for, these, just for a moment... I know it's getting late, but I would love us just to wrap up our gathering just with a, a posture of welcome, a posture of eagerly desiring the Spirit to work in us. So w- would you stand with me as we, we just, uh, if that's where your heart is, and may- maybe you're at a different um, part in your spiritual journey and I totally understand that. You know, there's, there's uh, sometimes just... Um, a process in a journey and maybe you feel like oh wow that's a little bit beyond what I've been experiencing yet but there's something in there that I long to see God continue to work in my life and that's okay maybe that's part of your your request to the Lord Lord just keep working in me keep revealing yourself to me but maybe as you've been listening the last few weeks or even today there's something welling up inside you and saying I, I eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit to function in my own life and uh, let's just say welcome to the Lord so as the team leads us in one song um, it's a song that will just help us say welcome to the work of the Spirit. And I will leave it up to you to express that in your own heart, to express that in your own heart with your own words, how you will tell the Lord, God, I eagerly desire the work of your Spirit in my life. Let's be welcome here. Father, as we take this moment in worship, um, personally, I just put myself first. And even that phrase, to eagerly desire the gifts, is a challenge to me. Um, it's so easy to just put you in a box so easy just to want to dictate what you do and how you do things but Lord um, I just want to say welcome to the work of your spirit in, in my life I am your child I am a follower of Jesus and um, I don't want to hinder how you want to use me so I just I welcome your work in my heart let's just um Pray that to the Lord in your own words as we worship over the next minute or two. Holy Spirit, we just say welcome to you. Thank you. You're at work here in us. We thank you that, as we were reminded last week, you are, you long to fill us and be in us. You are for us and you work through us. We say welcome. Lord, we trust that 
it's not only here in this atmosphere that, you, that the gifts of your spirit will be at work. You can work in us throughout the week. You can work in, in us through a conversation. You can work with us um, spending time with a few friends. You can use us as you wish, as you determine, out of your grace. And we say welcome to that. Help us as a church just to grow in welcoming your spirit. Help us to grow also in, in appropriating and functioning, God, in a way that honors you and, on, and honors your church and honors one another. Help us to discern what edifies us and what edifies others. And help us to live out of a heart of love for you and for others. Let that be the filter of how we pursue the gifts of your spirit, how we function in the gifts of your spirit. Because, God, we want to be guided. We surrender and submit. You, spirit, are the director, are the producer. So we submit to you. God, as we um, continue in this week, uh, may we sense a fresh um, touch of your presence. And if some, God, long to pursue you a little bit more, maybe have some um, areas and needs for prayer, God, we just will bring that to you. Uh, Bless the rest of this day. Bless uh, the juniors from Kids Quest that are going to have a picnic this afternoon. Bless our community group leaders that are meeting after this gathering. Uh, Bless us as we go off into our neighborhoods and maybe connect with people. Bless this rest of this day, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.